Welcome to Cover the Coast. I'm your host, Javelin Richards of Javelin's Bistro, and I'm glad to be with you today. Today, we are going to be uh, talking about an upcoming performance at La Pena Cultural Center that will be taking place. It's the Weekend of Love, February 11th. On a Sunday, La Pena Cultural Center will be presenting Evidence of Love. Backstory about Evidence of Love. This story is a group of artists who've come together. Some of them are very familiar with the stage. Some of them not so much, but they all have stories. They've written their stories. They are from communities that are at the intersection of oppression. And one of the things of the residency is a four-week residency, and one of the goals of the residency is for the stories of people who are at the intersection of oppression to be the sheer evidence that they have discovered in their lives of love, not the, the narratives that are out there in the world about their community, our community, and most of that sometimes is not favorable, but the other stories, the personal stories, the struggles, the intimacy, how they extracted evidence of love in their humanity. So on February 11th, on a Sunday at 7 o'clock, seven wonderful human beings from various communities, from the community, the world of the disabled, living in a world that really is disabling we have an artist, two artists actually, who are dealing in the healthcare system as women of color, navigating that, struggling to have their voices heard. We have artists who are trying to figure out, coming from a childhood of rage, through their sexual identity, evidence of love. We have people willing to go inside their lives and say, I know love. I have two of the stories of the um, performers here today that will spend the next 20-some minutes with me and you, our listening audience, KPFA Uncovered, Coverage Javelin's Bistro. I have Tim Fisher, the name of his piece, Her, My Love. With his piece, Her, My Love, Tim Fisher is marking his return to the stage after lengthy hiatus a relative newcomer to the Bay Area following his escape from Metro New York City. Roberta Murdoch, story, My Village. Roberta Murdoch began her singing career at the age of 14, singing in Japan on an Air Force base. Her plan was to attend Juilliard School of Music. Life got in the way, love and children. And now she's returning. I want to welcome our guests, Tim and Roberta. They will be appearing, Evidence of Love, La Pena Culture Center. Hello, Roberta. Hello, Tim. Hello, Javelin. Happy to be with you, Javelin. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I must say, too, I, am, I have the honor of directing this piece. So I am a part of this story. And I have had an absolute, intimate, wonderful, intense, awakening blast being a part of this group and it's going to be a um, challenge when it ends my first question is what drew you to this piece this question is for you Roberta and Tim what drew you to do evidence of love and to actually go inside your life 
to find an abstract love and to write about it and present it on stage the weekend of love of Valentine's Day? I thought it would give me an opportunity to look back at my journey and it was something I needed to do at that time. So it made me look back at Roberta and really see Roberta. And so that's why I wanted to do it. And did it give you a chance to look back? And when you say look back, did you look back, like flipping the pages as and look back over love, times you thought about it? What did you think about when you, evidence of love, when you look back? What are some of the nuggets you found? One of the nuggets I found, and it brought me to tears, was just looking at the support I had during that time. The people who came to to love on me. To love on you. So let's tell them what time is that that you'll be sharing on stage. What was that time? I'll be sharing the time of going through my cancer. Going through cancer. So you're one of the stories that's within the medical system as an African-American woman in our medical system and what that impact had on your life when you were diagnosed with cancer. The impact was devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, it brought out a lot of emotions, one of them being anger, because this was not the first experience I'd had with the medical system, and they had let me down. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is grief, getting through the grief, working through the grief, trying to live through the grief. And you and the Roberta Murdoch's piece is called My Village. So this is a story, part of her story is celebrating the people who held, that, that held her during this time, held her up, held her sky up. Tim, what drew you to write and now perform Evidence of Love in your life? What's the synopsis of what's happening for you in this story on February 11th? I thought I always had a very dramatic story to tell, and it was something I've kind of been sitting with for maybe the last 20, 25 years. For me, the most important, for me personally, the most important thing I think in life is to bond with another and to connect in a deep emotional connection. And that kind of eluded me until my mid-30s when I finally met someone and we did engage in a very deeply felt communion of uh, shared love but it added, it ended tragically and it was a real shocker and and like Roberta I was felt a lot of grief after that but the interesting thing that's happened in the process with this residency is the director kind of pulled out of me how that relationship somehow connected with the sort of strained relationship I had with my father during my childhood. So I have to say, I titled my piece, Her, My Love, but now I'm thinking it should be Her, Him, My Love. Her, Him, My Love. And I think also interesting uh, about it, Tim, is that we talked about it doing a residency. It's 
is you had thought in your search for love, and I'm going to take a time to move this mic. I should have done it before. It's so squeaky sound. You had talked about the fact that when you started on your journey to find affection and love coming out of a challenging childhood, you had imagined that it would be with a man. That's correct, yes. And that the universe, or whatever we want to call it, threw you a curveball, and it happened to be a woman who... Well, by the time I reached my mid-30s, I was starting to accept my sexuality and identity as a gay man. I'd had many sort of short love affairs with both men and women. But at that point, entering... Towards mid-30s, I thought, well, I'm I'm identifying as a gay man, and that's going to be my path, and that's that's who I expect I would have a relationship with. But love emerged in, like you said, sort of a a curveball from the universe, and it happened to be with a woman who I loved deeply and uh, had tremendous uh, connection with, both physically and emotionally. And um, that's kind of where that went. And it actually is, uh, Tim, we're listening to Tim Fisher and Roberta Murdoch here on KPFA. Uh, they're sharing their stories that they have been writing in the residency at La Pena Cultural Center that will premiere on the stage on February 11th at 7 o'clock. We also are going to be giving away tickets in a few minutes to the uh, listening audience. The number that you'll be calling when we open the lines up is 510 Four four two five. So I want to emphasize the fact that one of the things that La Pena and I, Javelin as the director, was very interested in is not just to have people from the intersection of oppression in this culture to be able to come out and do what, what I call reactionary stories, like this, this is what happened, this is why I'm angry, but to really look at the, find the evidence of our lives and to be able to, to, nurture those stories out and to talk about the what that means to us because to give a whole picture of what our our lives as human beings are beyond being from this community or that community that's targeted but this is who I am as a person and this is my experience as a person and that's what we've been able to do and and in extracting that love so that we can begin as a larger global community to be able to see each other in, in in better light, if you will, and looking through the paradigms and to hear stories that would not be otherwise make mainstream media, like Roberta. Let's talk, about, share a part of what it was like when you discovered you had people that once they knew that you were diagnosed with cancer, what is those snapshot pictures like? What happened? What was the words that were said? Where were you? There were few people that I told, and those were people that I that were close to me. Um, and I wanted them to know. So once I let them know, I mean, they were like, what can I do? How can I support you? I mean, people that I never would have thought would hold me up the way they did. Um, 
There wasn't anything that I really needed to do for myself that wasn't offered to me. Uh, to drive to appointments, to have food prepared for me, um, to come and do things in the house for me. It was, um, I had people who offered to come from the East Coast to come and stay with me. This is about community, and I mean, that's one way to say it, but this is about family, people becoming family mm-hmm. or doing what we think family is, that what they're supposed to, they define that for you. And as you said, they became your village. It takes a village to help someone rise up from cancer or whatever other illness or challenges, whether it's mental health issues, physical issues, grief on any level. It takes a village. We should not suffer that alone. No. And my sister really brought this to my attention. My sister came out from Colorado to spend a few days with me. And she saw how all of my friends just rallied around me. And she said, Roberta, you have a village. So that's why my story. She highlighted that for you. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. You have a village. One of the other stories that um, we're going to be presenting at La Pena is Ray Black, who is um, pronouns them and they, and her the the Ray Black story opens the show, and it is absolutely fascinating, fascinating, and is followed up by Chris. Uh, who also is doing his thing, a journey for love that was de- love defined to him through the love of his grandmother, who was not on the planet, but his grandmother and his search to find her. And he f- starts that journey from a very interesting place, surprising even to him in this residency. He finds that, and I'm not going to give that away because some of you will be sitting in the audience and you certainly want to be as shocked as I have been in the stories that have come out of this residency. And again, the residency is set up to deep listening to one another, some playfulness, some deeper therapeutic way in many ways so that we can feel safe enough to tell tell our stories beyond the, again, reactionary, the defensive stories, but the heart stories like Tim. We were spending some time together, I as the director, asking questions of you. There, and there you stumbled upon, it wasn't a surprise to you, your father's rage. Mm. And that rage, you then discovered, was mended in a dream. Your father became your friend, the evidence of love, and your father... How does that, how did that work for you? When you asked us to sort of explore where does evidence of love show up in our own personal lives, for me, I thought it would be this dramatic love that I had in my 30s. And I realized there were some parallel experiences with that, that kind of reflected on my childhood. And that's when it kind of brought my father into the mix that, you know, there's always the there's the, the concept or idea that through deep relatedness we 
heal previous wounds or we expose wounds and we attempt to heal them or attempt, attempt to get to understand them better. So I think in the relationship that I had with this woman, there was definitely a connection to my father's rage because at the end of the relationship with her, she became enraged and uh, not necessarily under her control. Yet at the same time, the way that you and I were talking in the residency about where does love show up and it's just in that most minute moment of just touching another even at on a battlefield or at the end of life, that in that just very intimate touching is evidence of love. And so I was kind of reminded of a dream that I had about my father that I don't really want to give away. But No, you don't. It's very, very, and it's particularly interesting if we really believe that, for those of us that believe that the relationship continues even after someone leaves the planet, that somehow they're still trying to explain themselves to us, to put salve or comfort to the places that we still might have question marks or the parts of us that may still seem broken, that they come to us in dreams. And so... And evidence of love, you'll see some of that unfold on stage where some of the storytellers in their stories, you will, you will be able to see that in theater, we call it the fourth wall. In real life, we call it through the veil, through the veil that shows up in our dreams. And I think that, I don't think I'm witnessing that there's been some unexpected journeys even for myself as a director to be able to hear the language that has come out of each of you and then how I watch you stumble stumble upon discoveries of your own story in deep ways and personal ways that may take years in therapy to uncover. That being said, it's important for me to know as a director as well, when we, when we part away from each other, what is it like for you when you, you're driving away or you're home late at night and you're writing and you've uncovered these open spaces and made those wounds available to yourself? What has that emotional journey been like for you, Roberta? Well, I must say I did have an emotional journey this morning. There's one part of my story that I continue to rehearse. And this morning, it just, it burst out emotionally in tears. And it was something that I had to let go of. Um, so it has, it has been, it's been a healing. It's been a healing. And tears are part of healing. Mm-hmm. And um, I went through a part of it this morning. I'm glad you could share that. And we'll talk about it, too, um, even after we leave the radio. Because as a director, one of the things, I can say the word director, but really uh, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's putting myself in a position. And as I've said to you 
to everyone, sometimes I'm walking on rice paper because I don't know if I'm about to evoke something that you're ready or not ready for. And there's no crisis line to call other than my phone number late at night and say, okay, okay. So the ghosts are here, the hanks are here, the spirits are here. And that's a belief I have for, you're listening to uh, Roberta Murdoch and Tim Fisher and talking about the evidence of love. And the first five callers, we're going to give away tickets to the show. So uh, that's at 7 o'clock on February 11th. One of the beliefs that I have after working in multiple communities throughout the United States and working in theater and doing artistic residencies and all of that work, I wanted one of my goals was to bring all of me under one umbrella to really nurture, care, support, extract folks that are at the intersection, including myself, of oppression and to find the stories beneath the stories. I have a saying that we all of us metaphorically sit at the back of the bus and those at the back of the bus have an opportunity to see everyone that gets on the bus. So we have information that is profoundly different than the bus driver. And in this global community in which we're existing right now, I do believe that it is our stories that will be some remedies, healing remedies, some political remedies, some all kind of remedies in order to move humanity forward that moves us forward, those whose voices that haven't been seen or have only been heard or seen in a way that the dominant culture wants to see it, wants to see it. How do we want to shape folks' lives? So I'm presenting you, Tim, with the same question. What was it like when you would leave? I know you just shared with us that you, in the middle of a questioning Q&A between us, you discovered that this love affair that you have with this woman in the in the midst of you believing that your love would be with a man and this woman shows up and then suddenly you realize, fast forward 2018, that this story belongs also to your father. What was it like in the when I wasn't there, when the rest of the cast wasn't there, when you were driving or walking? What was that like for you? For Roberta, she said there's, as of this morning, it was pain, still the crying and the healing. What, what about you? I think what's kind of uh, been revealed for me is how many layers we put over our hurt and pain. And you had asked us at one point to think of music that we thought would accompany our monologue. And so I was flying back from the East Coast, and I was, I guess, 35,000 feet in the air listening to all these different songs. And one of them in particular was especially affecting, and it just shot me back to how I felt when I realized that my relationship with this woman was over. And so that emotion, uh, and, and I was teary on the plane, uh, lives with us, you know, and it's there. And it's like as an actor, you recall, you know, what, what, what is the way that you recall the emotion to present it in your piece? But... It actually was had a therapeutic aspect for me, and I would say that that definitely ties in to how I explain the sort of correlation between my lover and my father and a similar sort of pain or loss, grief that I experienced in both relationships and how in some ways it's been uplifted through dream and remembrance and working on a, a, a piece like this. It it's uh, it does, certainly has a cathartic aspect to it. I'm curious on a side note, Tim, uh, because you have sexual fluid, 
fluidness. Is that fluidity? Fluidity. Um, has th- that experience? How did it translate? Because that was your deepest love, and when you are close with a man, did it deepen your connection to make yourself more available from the heart chakra? Yes, absolutely. I think having had the, had a deep uh, heart-to-heart experience certainly makes me more available on that level uh, in relationships that have come since then. And how have the two of you enjoyed being at La Pena, which is I call La Pena Culture Center, my family. It has proven to be such. How has it been for you? Just the touching base with the staff when they just the fun of it. And if, if you go to the website too, lapena.org, you'll see the photos of the of the storytellers. There's some beautiful pictures uh, that uh, uh, La Pena took of the cast. And so go to www.lapena.org to look at the cast of folks in the residency, uh, which I it had I needed to have this residency happen at La Pena. I couldn't think of another space that I knew that they would be I knew they would be safe. I knew that uh, the relationship I have with La Pena, they heard the importance of this work. And of course they opened their arms and said, Let's let's do it and we're gonna do more residencies. But what has been your experience just being in that space? Um it's it's like being home again because I have that's Work right. with you That's there right. at the Pena. Right. Yeah, Miss Pat's house. Yes, so um, it's been a joy, and especially uh, working and meeting other act the other actors and hearing their stories, and it's just been like a family. And the music, we got to touch base on that music. For those of you who know me, know that whatever I do, I, will, <laughs> I love bringing music into it. And the performers are all, all you're going to hear some stuff. Roberta's going to be bringing it in with a song. Who's our pianist? It, Mr. Damu Sudi Ali. And he's, he, yeah. He's been a pianist in the community for 30, almost 40 years. Yes. A great jazz artist has played with Calvin Keyes, um, you know, just he's played all over the Bay Area. He's well known. Well known and a beautiful pianist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When he came and hit those keys, it was just like uh, trembling. So we have a couple more minutes. Tim, you're singing. I, the, as a director, I pushed you over the edge and you, you just, you bring it. I'll be singing a few bars. Just for effect. (laughs) That's what he thinks. (laughs) We have another rehearsal before the show. Mm. So, um, so what have, in the last couple minutes we have, why do you think having a residency for people who are at the intersection of oppression, being women from, being from uh, communities that are challenged, disabled, from the queer community, from, um, communities of color uh, all think about your cohorts at this moment think about them compassionately why do you think it's important to have a residency where you first start off with the healing process then to move on into the work process what what why do you think that's essential or was for you and uh, something you'd want others what was the importance of it well I, I'm I've been in the Bay Area full-time now for about two and a half years and I think it's one of the really extraordinary aspects of this community is that there can be an opportunity for people from many different backgrounds to come together and to meet one another, work together, get to know each other. So for me, I think that's just a really 
wonderful experience. And I don't think it happens in so many communities throughout our country, and it's crucial. It's very crucial. I, I, I co-sign that, Roberta. Well, that's one of the reasons why I like the Bay Area. And really, us coming together, for me, is quite normal because that's the Bay Area. And that's why I love it here. And like Tim said, you know, this isn't something you don't see this group of people coming together. Um, so I think it's necessary for us to come together also to, just to know each other and see that we share the same experiences, though they may be at a di- on a different level. Absolutely. I want to thank you, Tim Fisher, Roberta Murdoch, for sharing time with me here on Cover to Cover, Javelin's Bistro, and all of those that called in for tickets. Your names will be taken and put at the box office. We'll see you February 11th. Evidence of Love. Go to La Pena website, www.lapena.org. This has been Javelin, your host, once again, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. U.S. capitalism declines, basic change is needed, so listen up. That's the commanding title of a new talk to be given by who else? Richard Wolff. The superbly sardonic Marxist economist will speak in Berkeley Wednesday evening, February 21st, 7.30 at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way. Wheelchair Accessible, hosted by Sabrina Jacobs. Wolf's Talk is a benefit for KPFA Radio and for Democracy at Work. Tickets at fine independent bookstores that support KPFA, as well as online at brownpapertickets.com. That's February 21. Be at Berkeley's First Congregational Church to hear The Wolf. And 